This is episode three of the Design Soapbox. (laughs) Live from Portland, we are here in the studio. This is Design Soapbox. Everybody, my name is Daniel Heron. I'm a graphic designer. I'm brand architect for Scout Retail, and I'm the host of the show, The Design Soapbox. As always, if you'd like to get a hold of the show, you can email contact at designsoapbox.com, as well as tweet at design underscore soapbox, or at my personal Twitter account for just feedback or encouragement, at Daniel Heron. Thank you so much for engaging. If you guys listen to the first two episodes, you know kind of what this show is going to be about, what it is that I'm passionate about, and what we have to look forward to. I have lots of good news to report to you all. We have had a big week. I had Tara Tarkington. I mentioned her last episode, and I got to record with her. She came in and and recorded in the studio. She's got lots of cool story updates for us and what she's doing, so you can look forward to that. And next episode, I want to make sure that I get all that editing done the right way. And then I was talking with Dominic Montgomery, a really cool designer based out of Tulsa. He's going to be doing uh, maybe a guest spot here as an interview, and then I'm going to be cross-connecting with him and his podcast I'm going to have all that information for you uh, as soon as it becomes available. Uh, So check out these podcasts. Again, this is available on SoundCloud, of course, but definitely in the iTunes store, also on Stitcher and a few of the other podcasting platforms. However you listen to podcasts, make sure that you hit subscribe. Because if you do, that means the next episodes will be coming directly to your inbox as they are made and they're produced. So you won't miss anything and you'll be on top of it. We'll all be caught up. I'm going to be talking about creativity and problem solving, uh, all with a design flavor. This podcast is specifically targeted at graphic designers, but it's okay if you aren't one. If you are not a creative professional, you don't use Photoshop on a daily basis, that is totally fine. I've gotten lots of feedback and comments from people who have found this to be useful and applying it in new ways that I didn't even think of. If that's you, please share your story with me. I would love to know how this information gets utilized in other spaces other than our own. For the designers out there, each of these episodes is going to have some takeaways for you. You know, Definitely, we're going to be talking about creative problem solving, uh, the paradox of choice. We've got lots of uh, cool topics relevant to the creative field. So that's going to be available as well as uh, takeaways from each of the show. So I'm going to tell you about a process, an app, or a tool that I use during the creative process that I find makes a huge difference in whatever it is that that tool is geared at. So you will have those takeaways. Again, if you missed any of the things from last week, or the week before, you can go and look at the descriptions of both of those podcasts and you can see all the things that I feature along with the Instagram heroes, uh, the songs, as well as the tools that we talked about. So even if you don't have time to go back and listen to those, at 
least go back and check out those tools because they will be really helpful. And in future episodes, I'm going to be collecting all of those pieces and putting them together in kind of a repository of helpful information for you all. Again, the site is still not up. This is uh, Monday night that I'm finishing up the recording process here. But stay tuned. Be patient with me. Well, actually, get on my case. It's okay. Uh, Don't let me slack because you guys are my accountability and I'm using you to uh, brainstorm and uh, also hold me to this weekly podcast thing. So far, I've targeted Tuesday and I've missed it the the very second time that I posted. But uh, if I get these things out on Tuesday, uh, that will have kind of this, um, you know, midweek kind of boost. You can pick when you want to listen to it. If you're a morning podcast person or if you're in your commute, you'll have that available hopefully on Tuesdays, if not Tuesday, by, but definitely by Wednesday. Um, and if you haven't seen one and I still have a pulse, get a hold of me. Give me some crap about it because I need you guys to keep me focused. And I'm telling you all of this so that I can't go back on my word. I have enough content. I will be disciplined enough to continue these things. So stick with me. Thank you so much. Again, big thanks to Josiah Mason. He was the one who recorded that intro beat. I'm going to keep plugging him because not only is he one of my best friends and uh, co-collaborators, he's just a really talented dude. And he is more than willing to help throw his brain at your project. If you need a jingle or any kind of music, hit him up. His link is in the description as always. After recording last week's episode, I realized I did something in the beginning that I really did like and would like to keep doing at least for these first episodes. I mentioned I didn't have a co-host, and obviously you'll know that if you're listening to to this, it's just me here talking. In order to maintain momentum and to keep these content uh, segments digestible and on point, I'm going to stick to a format that I've come up with, and that basically is going to be the outline for all of the episodes, so you know what to expect, what's coming next, and uh, how you can interact in the future, uh, when would be a good time to pause, and so forth. So intro, I'm going to start with, obviously, who I am, why I'm doing this, and what this is, but also it's going to have like how to get a hold of the show, and a bunch of those... like business as usual, the operating things about running a podcast. Then I'm going to jump into an update from Portland, Oregon. Here I am in a remote working scenario out in the Pacific Northwest. Things are beautiful. Most of the time it's raining. I'm going to give you some updates there. Then I'm going to hit hard with the work in progress, things I'm doing both professionally for freelance and in my margins. After that is the app and tool feature. This is going to be the section where I feature a piece of the, of the creative process I found really helpful. Then I'm going to talk about something that I hate, a rant. We've done a couple and people seem to like them, but part of my belief is that having passion is supposed to be both positive, but also negative. If you have that negative aversion to things or you are frustrated with bad design, this is the time that I'm going to illuminate some of the things that I've noticed and really frustrate me. After that, to cool down, I'll have the song break and that'll be a featured song, usually from SoundCloud of a emerging artist who's doing really well. Something that I've gotten the rights to promote and suggest, but things I think you should listen to. After the song break in every episode, that's going to be the real meat, where the title comes from, what the episode is going to include, and uh, kind of that greater thinking piece. It's going to be a little bit longer, but that's what I would call the soapbox section. After that, we're going to have a featured Instagram hero, as well as a note for the clients. If you're a client and you buy design, that's going to be your section. And then what am I listening to? Just kind of the uh, 
the more broad. I feature a song, but also I'll have playlists on Spotify and um, other apps, and I will be able to uh, give you an insight into the kinds of things that influenced either the show or the work that I put out that week. After that, I'll finish up with some Q&A, and we'll close it out, giving you some ideas of what you can expect for next week. So that's going to be the format for these things. If you've already heard that before, thanks for being patient through that, but I figure that if you're a new listener, that'll just be a way that you understand what it is that you're listening to and what pieces you have jumped in on. So what is up in the Northwest? For those of you who have listened, you'll know that I'm in Portland. I've been here for two months, and it has been a wonderful transition stage. Not only did I change the state I lived in, but also I changed the dynamics of my working arrangement. I'm now a remote worker working from home in my home studio, and that's been really cool. But this week, it was really fun to have Tara Tarkington show up. She was going to be traveling the Northwest, and after listening to the show, she said, hey, I want to come record. So we got to do that, and she was one of the first non-family members who came to join me here, and it was a blast. We had dinner together. We went out to a couple of the really cool brew pubs in town. There's a lot of really fun things to do here in Portland, so we got to do that, and that was a blast. Then we got to record here in the studio, and I'm going to be presenting that to you guys next episode so that I can get all the dual voice recording pieces figured out, because that's going to be a whole new level of complexity that I haven't quite wrapped my mind around yet. But she brought with her the sunshine. So it is getting colder, but it was beautiful and sunshiny. And usually I prefer the rain, but I kind of needed a, a couple days to dry out. I feel a little soggy because it's been like 10, 15 days of straight rain and overcast. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. Everyone who warned me about moving to Portland always said, hopefully you love the rain. And I do, but having the sunshine was pretty nice, except for at 6 a.m. when it was blinding me while I was uh, asleep. The way I have my room arranged, the uh, the sunrise comes right in my window if I don't have my blinds closed, and I wasn't expecting it. So that was a little bit tough, uh, but after I was up and at it, it, it was fantastic, uh, and I love the sunshine. So that was great, and Tara is to blame for that. She brought it with her, I'm convinced. Anyway, so that's uh, what's going on up here in the Northwest. What's going on on the the work front, my work in progress. So things I'm doing for Scout Retail. Now, we are coming up fast on Thanksgiving break. Now, Thanksgiving break is observed by most traditional companies, and indeed it will be uh, observed by Scout. So I'm going to be taking a couple days off of Scout. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop working. I'm going to basically uh, cannibalize those uh, those weekend days to get caught up on some of the necessities for freelance. But for Scout, we're really buttoning it up for Good Eats. We've gotten some uh, more mock-ups done, and we are in talks with um, an illustrator to help come in and design a logo identity and no well, not the logo identity, but the, the little icon set. So still more progress being made there, as well as a bunch of other things we got going on. We're doing stuff for a, uh, a bike uh, company, and we're doing stuff, uh, you know, we're in discussions with all kinds of uh, new venture startups. And so things are happening. Every time I talk to my boss, Cade, it is like a new idea that we're each getting pumped up about. And I call him on weekends and after hours, and I said, oh, I just thought of something new. And it is really cool to have um, that kind of channel for outlet, knowing that he and I both get pumped up about innovation and entrepreneurship, but 
also like how can we make these things work? So we start asking like the implementation questions and that's always an addicting conversation point. If you've ever been in a conversation like that with an innovator or an entrepreneur, you understand what I'm talking about. It's really fun. So that's what things look like at Scout Retail. Then um, in the freelance side of things, I have bitten off way more than I can chew. I've got tons of people asking me for things and don't get me wrong, I love it, but it's always in ebbs and flows. I don't know why it is that like three weeks ago, I was all caught up and now I am buried. So personal branding identities, uh, projects for friends, they're doing uh, new startups. Um, I'm helping Tara get her site up and off the ground. So that freelance game is strong, but I am looking forward to having the weekend to really crank out some good hours towards these projects that I'm very passionate about. Then in the margins, um, I'm, I'm writing and writing and writing, getting as much content as I can think of out there so that I can perfect it and kind of have a less... Uh, rambling version of each of these ideas that I have for these uh, segments in the podcast. So most of my brain has been looking at how would I add video recording and how would I do interview audio? Can I record podcasts on the go? So I am like just devouring resources. I'm listening to uh, three times or four times as many podcasts as I was uh, prior to launching my own and doing a lot of research, taking a lot of good notes and getting gathering some influences just to see who is doing a really good job out there in the same space. Spoken word audio and long form content is really uh, picking up, especially since we have a very subscriber based viewership. Uh, we have global distribution with podcasts, so it is easier than ever before to reach an audience. No longer do you have to go through a, a big media distributor or a media company and obey the systems rules, but now we can get content out there and there are lots of podcasts, these gems that are popping up, and I'm doing all of the research I can, devouring as much as I can, put my audiobook uh, fascination on pause because there's just more content than I know what to do with. So I am getting into podcasts. If you have some podcasts that are design-related uh, that I may have not heard, just uh, tweet at design underscore soapbox with what those podcasts are, and I'd love to check them out. Maybe uh, partner with them or feature them on the show. Uh, maybe borrow some ideas or expound on some things that they're doing. But uh, even if they just have good format, I'd, I'd love to know that. Anyway, that's what's happening in the margins of the time in my, uh, in my, my work in progress. Now for the practical takeaway for most of you creatives out there and pretty much anyone who is looking to figure out how to meet online. The app feature this week is actually both an app and a website. It's appear, A-P-P-E-A-R dot I-N, in, appear in. And this is a really revolutionary video conference tool. I love Google Hangouts and I've used uh, Skype and FaceTime and pretty much every version of these digital virtual meeting platforms, but appear in is a killer one because it cuts through all of the red tape of downloading the app necessary as well as setting up a username and then connecting with a call and sending invites. All of that bogus, the stuff that makes it really tough to connect with maybe someone who's not as informational savvy as um, uh, a younger generational, you know, 
tech guru. It's basically all of that stuff done away with for video conferencing. Go to a peer in and the first thing that you'll see is a field where you can enter the name for your room. So basically it's these ideas of virtual video rooms. And if no one uses that name already, it's, it's, uh, available and it'll just launch an, uh, an audio system or a video room feed. It'll turn your live webcam on, and then you'll be able to copy that link and just text it to whoever or email it. And all you need to do is click on that link and boom, you are talking. I can't tell you how valuable it is. It's got a built-in integrated chat system and it will, if you uh, are using the Google Chrome extension, it will allow you to share your screen effortlessly. So all of those things are really valuable when you are a remote worker, as well as if you're just trying to organize calls that are either cross state lines or, you know, all of the world. Um, it's a tool that is pretty much a daily thing for us over at scout, but also for me in meeting with clients, it really flattens the globe. It allows you to feel like you're in the same room with people that you're trying to do work for. So if you're a freelancer and you're trying to get a hold of your clients with meetings, check out a peer in Type in a name of a room, and then you can become the owner of that uh, that particular forward slash, and it will make your video conferencing so much easier. You don't have to deal with all of that crap that goes into making sure that you have invited the right person or got the right username or called them or what. It's just so easy, and you can be on it, and other people can jump in and jump out. You can lock the room if you need to, so... Go ahead and check out a peer in. It'll be in the description of the podcast for uh, for those of you who can't take a note now or will need r- reminding later on when you're ready to actually check it out. I have my own room and it is awesome. Eventually, as I'm recording these things, I would love to figure out a way to do a live stream. I don't know if that will be the best tool for that. I'm going to do some more research on what my available options are. But eventually for this podcast, I would love to have live broadcast ability that way this really will get married in the digital space to the uh, to the community mindset. It won't be me recording things and sending them out and you watching them days or weeks later. We could actually do a live cast. So if that's something you're interested, stay tuned. For next week, I would love to have my website up and running and an email uh, newsletter ready to rock and roll. So um, stay tuned for that. And, and the reason I mentioned that in this segment is that uh, the, any of the live broadcasts or, or if you want to share a room with me or just hang out, uh, in the digital space via video, that will be, uh, an update that I send out in the eventual newsletter to accompany the show. So anyway, that's the app feature of the week. And now the fan favorite section, the rant section, this is going to happen just before the song break of every episode, but Like I've said in the past podcasts, I believe being passionate means both directions, both positive and negative. 
passionate people aren't just passionate because they're really inspiring, but they're also passionate because when they recognize something that is wrong with the world, they comment on it. And they usually do so loudly. That has always been my personality. If you've ever met with me or been friends with me for any length of time that we've ever had a conversation, chances are you will have heard me go off on something that bugs me. Whether I'm sitting at a Waffle House looking at how the menu flips over or uh, standing in front of a microwave trying to zap my coffee, whatever it is, I find things that tick me off and will not do. And so I wanted to commit a section to think through and make light of a bunch of things that have gone uh, unaddressed or uncommented on from my perspective. And maybe the point of this is to get some changes done and some changes made. So anyway, today's rant last week was Starbucks. I know it was trendy and someone actually gave me some feedback and said it felt forced. Well, it was a little bit forced, but honestly, it was something that I'm passionate about. So uh, if you if you agreed with me, I hope that you found it valuable. If you didn't, then maybe it was just a little entertainment piece. This week, I don't have to fake anything. I am pissed at people who use PowerPoint. So I'll say that death to PowerPoint, your privileges are revoked. Now, don't think that I hate PowerPoint specifically, because for any of you who know, I got my start on PowerPoint. It actually was the thing that really launched my understanding of visual composition and doing a good job presenting material so that people could read. I mean, it, it, was, the, it was the first tool I had access to as a student before I ever even heard of Photoshop, before I knew I wanted to be a designer. I was a PowerPoint junkie. I used every single excuse I could to make a PowerPoint, and I actually burned some people out. Everyone was laughing about, about that, but it really gave me a good bedrock for uh, understanding composition and design. But the thing that brought it to my attention, that made it the most hated word in my week was people using PowerPoint who are not designers, okay? You have access to it, great. In this space, in this day and age, you need to make presentations. It's pretty much a given. Whether it's a pitch deck or a meeting presentation or uh, an idea, people have started to latch on to this idea of using layout-based presentations. And PowerPoint for most um, Windows users is the go-to. Now, I don't use PowerPoint much anymore because I am a Mac user and have decided to buy into the whole um, Mac ecosystem. So my default rudimentary basic program for presentations is the keynote program. And actually it is not bad. It's got some things that really frustrate me and really it's the switching back and forth from programs like Photoshop and Illustrator to something as limited as uh, keynote. It really drives me nuts because I rely on shortcuts so much, but that's neither here nor there. I'm, I'm focused on PowerPoint specifically because since we have all agreed that presentations are better done in this kind of a layout frame, slide-by-slide -slide style, a bunch of people who have no business in the visual space all of a sudden think that they can do what I do or they can do what creatives do. Just because you have the tools does not make you a designer, okay? I don't want to step on your toes. If you're just trying to learn it, by all means. But remember, PowerPoint is supposed to be used by um, 
someone with the user in mind. So it's a rudimentary entry level design platform. Okay. It's, it's, you've got bound constrictions with the, the size of the canvas, the, uh, the size of your slide and what you can do with it. And there's a lot of really good creativity that can come from using those tools and, and fitting in those type parameters, those limiting uh, qualities. But when you use PowerPoint to do something it's not intended to do, like teach your designer how to design, you have just totally alienated them. And then when you ask for things to be done and you're like, hey, by the way, can you use PowerPoint? You're basically saying, hey, my computer only has the ability of a golf cart. Can you do Indianapolis 500 speedway racing speeds for my golf cart? And it's like the juxtaposition of a powerful program like Illustrator or Photoshop, those are built for us pro users. If you have hired a pro user to jump in and help you with your project, don't put the freaking handcuffs on them. Everything that you need, you know, if you want to be able to show it in your screen, you don't have a copy of Photoshop, great. Use PDFs. But don't say, oh, by the way, the final outlet needs to be, the final output needs to be in PowerPoint, because then I want to strangle you. You basically are getting rid of all of the beauty and the the elegance that my field, my expertise, all my background is in, and you're making me use this tool that is just so far beneath the, the quality level and the functionality level that I could provide you with a PDF. So you who have PowerPoint, if you are making your designers read your PowerPoints or fit to your PowerPoints or even worse, Google Slides because of the even more limitations, if you couldn't get too many limitations in PowerPoint, then Google Slides will make you want to punch a baby. It's the worst. So don't hold designers to this ridiculous standard of an antiquated system just because it's something that you might be comfortable with editing, okay? A good designer will know how to, to do templates for you that fit PowerPoint, but don't have to be 100% editable by someone who only has access to PowerPoint, okay? If you want to do things cheaply, I get it. You want to be able to edit the content. You don't want to call your designer every single time that you need a new slide. Awesome. Great. I actually appreciate that, that you want to be proactive, that I can get you caught up to a status quo, and then you can handle things from there. That's cool. But your PowerPoint privileges are revoked when it comes to dictating how I am going to be producing quality work for you. Because I am the professional here. You are the client. You're a marketer, and I'm glad that you use PowerPoint. But if you planned on using PowerPoint or you're going to make me use it anyway, just do it yourself. Just go out there and buy a template. They're available. They, you know, For PowerPoint, for Keynote, for whatever, you're, for, even for Google Slides. If that's your goal, just buy a template or have me help you make a template or start the conversation by saying, I need you to complete a PowerPoint template. That's okay but not when you go in there and try and mimic what professional creatives do and then put the handcuffs on them based on your limitations. That is not okay. It's the equivalent of me saying, I only know how to ride a bike with training wheels. So you, Mr. BMX, X, you know, X games, gold medal winner, you have to also ride with training wheels. <laughs> that totally completes the, 
defeats the point of you bringing a designer in. Give them permission to make suggestions to you. Give a designer permission to um, inform you or to meet you, you know, with your needs, but don't put such a frustrating governor on their creativity because I guarantee you will get much better results if you give them the room to run and to play and let them know at the beginning how you want to use this. That is what we're supposed to do as problem solvers, as designers. So don't try and take it upon yourself and then at the last minute say, oh yeah, by the way, this all has to work in PowerPoint because I can't tell you how many times I've had a, a complete deck or presentation finished, ready to go and submitted in PDF and they say, oh yeah, can this be PowerPoint as well? And I just want to say, nope, sorry, you're fired. I don't want to do work with you. No PowerPoint. Your privileges are revoked. So anyway, I know that I say this whole, this whole rant with a little bit of a chuckle, but you'd be shocked, shocked at the kind of things that, that people, um, are asking me to do. It's like, I mean, take any expert in any field and then say, by the way, you have to use the tools that I have access to that I would use. And while that might be a fun exploration. That's not why you hire them. You don't go to a, uh, a five-star dining establishment and say, Hey, by the way, you can only use a microwave to cook my meal because they've got much better access to much more elegant and equipped means of cooking than a, than a microwave, even just because it's standard. Now I don't mean to bring microwaves up again because that's ridiculous, but you know, just because you have access to a microwave does not mean the five-star chef needs to dumb themselves down to fit your level utilize them, take advantage of them, pay them for their skill sets and, and know that they will be there and ready and willing to help when you need a project done. Anyway, that's my rant. Now we're going to switch over and we're going to feature a song while I cool down. This week's song is done by a really cool group called Wolf Colony. The song title is Forgiven, the Melissa remix. So go check it out. Listen to it on SoundCloud. I got it for free as a download. Tell me what you think.
Forgiven song, the Millicent remix by Wolf Colony. It is killer. And as with all of my song choices, I am adding a link to their profile on SoundCloud. Please go check them out. This was a gem that I found on SoundCloud, and I'm so glad that most of their songs are actually available for free download. Forgiven was one of those and has actually gotten quite a good number of listens, I think 77,000 uh, listens, but it was new to me, and it really like has a cool, funky vibe with a lot of cool like uh, electronic interludes and really well done stuff. So that and many more from Wolf Colony. They do a lot of remixes. They do their own, uh, new songs and they're really great. The management for that, uh, for that group is Neil Saren. So he is, um, kind of running the correspondence for Wolf Colony and I am honored to be featuring them uh, so yeah, go check them out and tell me what you think, like them, follow them, download all their music, give them some support because they are killer artists. And when we love something, we should talk about it and feature it. So I am more than happy to do so with such a cool tune. Now to the title and real subject matter of this episode, episode three. So episode one and two were kind of neatly fit together segments. So the first one was the hustle is sold separately. And then, you know, talking about how distractions really get in your way. The second one was pulling the trigger. And that one was, you know, all about the concept of minimum viable product and really, you know, getting something out there in the space. But this one is kind of, you know, going to take a new direction it's still related and it's still hopefully going to be really valuable for those of you who listened and liked that content from the first two episodes. But it kind of is a response to and a backstory of my exploration in creativity. It's all well and good to have the hustle and aim a direction. But how do you know if that direction is right? I've gotten a lot of comments from and questions even from people who listen. And I mentioned them in the Q&A section last episode, but I really wanted to revisit this in long form. More than just a quick answer, I wanted to address this frenetic kind of concern that most people have out there when they're looking at all of their options. When they're looking at the big, bright, shiny world and all of the things that they could do, they really struggle with finding a voice. A lot of designers will call it their style. And if you're interested in learning the difference between style and voice, go check out James White. He's the runner of Signal Noise, uh, the owner. He did a podcast, I think it was a second episode, where he talked about the difference between voice and style. And I really have latched onto that. So I have abandoned the word style, my visual style. And I've really changed it based on his podcast and his points to say voice. And that's why I loved the, the questions being asked, which, which is, you know, in this big world of so many different directions I could go, how is it that I go about finding or deciding on my style and my voice? 
and what is it that I should be making progress on when I have so many different dreams and there's a bunch of different directions I could go. So that is the reason I decided to do this topic right now. But also I wanted to give you on the front end, uh, for those of you who are listening to these in order, uh, a little bit of the background around me. So you'll know for all of our future episodes, like how it is that I really came into my own and discovered it. Now, granted, I have said before, I am not perfected. I am not an expert. I am not uh, sitting in my ivory tower making the big, big bucks. This is a work in progress story. This is the behind the scenes, real Daniel, what it takes to be a designer and the exploration of creativity. So don't think that I have this all together, but I have a good understanding of what my voice is. And I really discovered it in a time of lots of exploration So I told many of you that I went to John Brown University based in Northwest Arkansas, and that's in the little, the top corner of Arkansas in a town called Salem Springs. One of the things that was really cool about that university is they offered some amazing study abroad programs. If you're a student out there and you haven't taken advantage of your school study abroad Go do it. Even do the cost analysis on it because I found that that the number of credit hours versus the money that I spent for studying abroad, it was actually cheaper to study in another country and get some credits. You know, and and I wish I would have known that, but I took my study abroad trip the very last summer before my senior year. And I wish I had done it sooner because so much learning had happened and so many relationships were really formed on that trip. Uh, but it was a beautiful time to take it. So while I regret not going on more of them, I don't regret what I learned on that trip. I was able to go to um, Switzerland for six weeks, and that was as a part of the graphic design trip through JBU. And uh, I had a killer team. We had 12 photographers and 13 designers. And if you haven't ever been in a group in a group like that or in a room with that many creative people, you need to try it because holy cow, we, we, we had no lack of creative voice or expertise. But here I am as a passionate, outspoken uh, junior, soon-to-be senior design major, and I'm going on this trip to Switzerland, uh, the world across, you know, we've crossed the pond, nothing is familiar. They speak uh, uh, Swiss German and French over there, and we are going to stay in a hostel uh, for the first week and then at a YWAM base, uh, and we're going to be redoing all of this branding material for them. And so that was really fun. You know, it was a great, uh, way to approach the study abroad, uh, whole genre, but part of our process while we were there is putting together a brand identity for the YWAM base. And so from start to finish, we were talking about what is going to be our stylistic uh, groove. How are we going to handle you know, all of these visual elements? What are we going to do with photography? Who's going to art direct photography? Uh, and, and they broke us all up into teams uh, specifically to hit each point or each of these uh, new concepts, these um, I guess elements of branding. So we had the photographers, we had the you know people learning the web development side, doing the um, the aesthetics, then doing the overall art direction, then doing the content creation. So we had all these different teams, and I got put on a team that uh, was um, primarily designed with some print stuff, and I really hit a wall. I haven't been this depressed 
uh, or that depressed in my consideration of the future of this career ever in any other way than I was, you know, in the same way that I was in Switzerland. I was a week and a half into the trip and I had just stuck my big foot in my mouth and actually yelled at the one of the professors who was not only a professor but our host. Um, and I had just yelled at him, and we had a huge disagreement, and my ego was rearing its ugly head, and I was uh, stopped in my tracks. He banished me from the room that we were talking about, and I was in a dark place creatively. Not only was I arrogant and full of crap, but also, you know, like, really struggling. I, I would say that the, the, the real pinpoint of our, or the, the I guess the, what is the linchpin of our disagreement was, you know, around my arrogance, but also coming from a place of real insecurity. And that's the thing that I've recognized is true about a lot of you out there who have hit me up with your questions, uh, you know, which direction should I go uh, visually? Um, and which, which dream should I pursue? How do I, uh, you know, utilize my hustle to get, to go farther and know that it's a good direction. I was at that place in Switzerland. It's a beautiful place to be, uh, when you're going through a, a struggle like that, because, um, you're immersed in a new culture. There's no, uh, there's no other ideas, uh, that come better. You, you, nothing is familiar. So everything from street signs to the way people talk to the way another culture treats shopping. All of those things were, you know, just a huge melting pot of inspiration for me. I should have looked at those as values, but really I was lost and wandering and trying to figure out what it was that I was going to do and really oppressively feeling the weight of um, what was going to be my style my voice and not only how, uh, you know, I was going to come into my own for my voice, but what was I going to contribute to this team? I had just alienated my biggest advocate, my professor, Todd Gaynor. And I did so out of humiliation, frustration, um, anger, insecurity. And he's supposed to be my ally of all the people who could help me find my voice. He would be one of the best people to give me that advice and I, and I remember going for a walk and having no good ideas and getting caught up with this oppressive, like, I, I could tell the things that I liked. I mean, there were hundreds of things out there that I was collecting inspiration even then. I had folders upon folders of things that inspired me. But really, what was it that I was going to contribute to the creative conversation that is this you know, ecosystem of beautiful things? What was going to be my take on it? What was going to be my niche? How was I going to make a difference or, or innovate and push myself to do things that I was uniquely qualified or talented to do? And it took two days of me moping and being uh, fearful and antagonistic and not a good team member. And I want to apologize if you were on that trip, uh, you remember the moody prima donna attitude that I had and just this real frustration that I was wrestling with. But it really came from this insecurity of not being able to find my voice. And then I 
started identifying, okay, what is it that I know I can do well? I know that I have a natural um, leaning towards. Every time that I'm just like iterating on a project, eventually I will do a version that looks like what, you know, this, this style. And I really was pigeonholing myself uh, with, you know, my colors and uh, my treatments. I was stuck with the colors red, black, and white, and then the treatment of this distressed, gritty grunge. And I could do a hundred things every single day and everything in my portfolio had some aspect of those elements, either the, the red, the color palette or the, the texture or in, in even both in many cases. And I was doing the same things over and over again. I really got frustrated with that. So I was asking myself questions of how do I take the things that I'm naturally skilled at and then develop them and turn in, turn them into something. And it's at that point I discovered someone doing something amazing. Um, I found a French designer, Fabian Beryl. And this guy, I've never met him. I've never talked to him. I've never even um, uh, reached out because I put him on such a high pedestal. But I saw his work and immediately the light bulb clicked. I realized that what I liked to do, you know, with blending modes and grunge didn't have to be my limitations. It could be my skills. It could be my secret weapons. So yes, I knew that I had a lot of learning to do, a lot of catching up to do to bolster up my, my chops in many other visual uh, styles. But my voice, anytime I was allowed to contribute it to a design, anytime a design required some of the fingerprints of the designer in the actual piece, I knew the direction I wanted to go. And I found this Fabian Barrel's uh, uh, portfolio, and he had beautiful layers upon layers of these collage-style designs. He had um, this really kind of new take, something I'd never seen before. It was layer upon layer of blending modes uh, and and masks and masking layers and basically he used shapes and color like I had never seen before. So I'm going to put a link to the site and specifically the project that caught my attention at this time, you know, but he with one fell swoop because he was faithfully putting out work gave me a hint to where I might want to go. And this is kind of how I found my voice, if you will. I saw someone else out in this space doing something beautiful. And instead of having that oppressive comparison uh, issue, you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that comparison is the thief of joy. You know, that's a popular phrase that runs around out there. But also comparison is necessary for growth. Sometimes joy comes from, you know, a, a view of yourself. Sometimes it comes from a sense of accomplishment and things that you've made. And other times it comes from just the people you're around. But a lot of times, you know, happiness and joy is not going to help you find your voice. But seeing your problems, seeing your, your ruts, your crutches as tools as pillars, instead of them being your dependency, them being the ace up your sleeve, that was the lesson I learned. 
I saw Fabian Barrel do something amazing. And I compared my future hopes to his reality currently. Now, notice if I had compared his current portfolio to my work, I'd have been hopelessly overwhelmed. I would have been depressed and thrown in the towel and said, nope, I can never be that good. Um, uh, you know, he's so far beyond me. But instead of doing that, I had an excellent example of someone making a living, doing something intensely specific. And he gave me hope that someone could do it. Now, I, I have many times iterated off of that original aesthetic that then he, he kind of triggered for me. And my voice has developed and matured, matured and changed. And now, you know, I have many different uh, elements to what I would consider my creative voice. But that initial discovery section came from comparing my, my dreams and my hopes for the future with someone out there who turned the corner uh, of my thinking. Instead of me looking at you know his piece as, wow, that's beautiful, I looked at his piece and, says, and said, I want a voice like that. I want his flavor, his accent, his um, determination and uniqueness. And I'm going to try and figure out how I can be that kind of unique and I can be that kind of aesthetic. And when I did that, I started coming up with all these different ways to uh, morph and change my crutch into the pillars that I now lean on for some of my favorite projects, the projects that I do for, uh, for clients who, who love that aesthetic. And I want to be known for this multiple layer, rich color, vivid overlay, blending modes. I want to be known for that style. Eventually I will come up with a big grandiose project and make a lot of noise about it. And it will be the crowning jewel in my portfolio. I'll get prints made and all that. But up until then, you know, it's like, I didn't really know how to discover a voice. And I, all I could do was find someone out there doing something that was amazing and then try and understand how they would do it, how they would get there, backwards engineer it, and then work on those pieces. And some of my best work ever, even, even though it's years ago, some of my best work ever came from those uh, exploration sessions. So if you have a dream and if you have a passion and you're trying to find your voice, find someone out there that you can compare your future aspirations to, not your current position. And I'm not saying that you need to go out and find people that make you feel bad or make you feel behind. None of that. Don't, don't be the self-defeatist um, diagnosis of your dreams. But try and find someone out there who's got a voice that feels authentic and feels unique and has some aspect that you'd like to mimic that you'd like to develop and then make them your coach, whether you meet them, whether you interview them, whether you talk to them, or maybe they never know that they, they were your influence. Make pursuing and catching up with them your goal. And what you'll, what you'll find is your voice will grow. All of a sudden, your voice will burst from within you. And there will be a moment in which it clicks. And all of the, the frustration and all of the crutches that you've relied on thus far will turn into tools. And those tools will launch you 
like you've never launched before. There have been very few scenarios or uh, mountaintop experiences like my deep valley depression in Switzerland and then the resurrection story after that, the up from the ashes um, conclusion to that story. It really was discovering someone who had a voice like I wanted and then backwards engineering it and trying to, you know, iterate as many times as possible until I, until I got close. And I, I identified the things I liked about his work, his style, his voice, and they all were things I could apply to mine. I wasn't just trying to steal his visual style. I was able to say the reason I love his style and I love his voice is a, because of its uniqueness, because of its application of elements, its use of color, its depth and layers, the factors about it that make it appealing and interesting for the first time viewer, for the second time viewer, for the one who has uh, seen the design a thousand times, there's something new to, to, to notice or to explore on each look. All of those things started to become true and the things that I wanted to be true about my voice. So that's kind of how I found a, a, the first version of my voice. And like I said, it's changed. And like I said, it's morphed, but there's still traces of it. I still love what I fell in love with in Switzerland. And it only came from really acknowledging I was worried. I was afraid, but I found something that I liked and decided to reverse engineer it. So if that's you and you have a story about that, or maybe you have hints and tricks and help for people who are going through that same process, comment on this post, uh, share it on Facebook or tweet about it. And I would love to, you know, collect all of the stories out there. People either finding your voice or things you struggle with, with, with your style, or maybe, you know, you don't know what your crutches are. You don't know what ruts you're already in, you know, get someone who can give you some insight, some feedback, build a community for yourself. I've decided to launch a podcast to gather community and to get contributors, but uh, you know, you need to do the same. Just because you're listening to this doesn't mean that you have the same community. You've got access to, you know, teachers if you're in school, bosses if you work for the corporate world, uh, co-collaborators in, you know, your local WordPress chapter or your uh, typography meetups. There are people out there who will help give you an idea of what your your strengths are and what your skill sets are. And the, then they will also point you towards the, the pillars and the patriarchs out in the space doing it well. And, and then you start that, that reverse engineer process. Now we start to have some bones. Now we had to start to like get a rough, vague outline of how to pursue your dreams because you see someone do it well and you don't take comparison as, um, as a diagnosis of your current state. You use it as setting a bar. You use it to uh, convince yourself you've got a long way to go. And when you com combine that direction with the pull the trigger minimum vi viable product mentality and then the hustle and the hutzpah to keep going and be disciplined and avoid distraction, dude, you have a recipe for success. And that is like if I was to give advice to anyone, you know, struggling with this finding your voice concept or what, what it is to chase your dreams, that's it. Find someone who's doing it the, the way that you hope to do it and mimic them because that's how 
that's how we learn there. That's how, um, you know, and, and even try and reach out, like, see if, see if they would even talk with you. So, uh, anyway, that's, that's my soapbox for today. I hope that there is something in there that you found valuable, some usable takeaways, even if you just learned a little bit more about, you know, how I design, there are links to those projects and I, and I don't really want to derail them hard, but you can go out there and find them. They're on my Behance. You can see some of the stuff that uh, I did for the Switzerland, um, uh, project and it all came from learning and understanding uh, this this hero that I had um, made my my vocal coach, if you will, or stylistic uh, mentor. Even though we'd never met, uh, he was hugely responsible for helping me find my voice. So that's uh, that's me. That's finding finding your voice. Please give me feedback. Uh, tell me what you like about that story or uh, areas that uh, that I didn't fully expound on that you'd like more details on. All of that I will address in future episodes in the Q&A section. Reach out to me on Twitter at design underscore soapbox or at Daniel Heron uh, or, or even email the show contact at designsoapbox.com. So, all right, now on to one of my favorite sections of the show, the Instagram hero. Last week it was Adrian and his great work, and he actually commented on the show before he realized he was one of the people featured, and that was a really fun back-and-forth interaction. This week it's Brad Flaherty. His Instagram title is or handle is at graphicdesign79. And if you guys haven't seen it and you're fans of uh, beautifully made art, calligraphy, and lettering, you got to go check this guy out. He is posting beautiful work all of the time, both things for clients and stuff based on his travels and things that, that inspire him. All are really cool. And he's a really good example of using a specific aesthetic but not letting it get stale. All of his pieces are really uniquely done. They have um, different explorations in how he does the letters and how he um, does ligatures. It's just beautiful work. And I featured him in a post of my own when I called out a bunch of designers who inspire me, the Design Underground, and he was able to comment back. And it just is really cool. I would call him a maker of cool shit daily. I don't know if he would uh, if he would call himself a master of typography, but I definitely would would feel comfortable giving him that title myself. Brad, if you ever listen to this, I don't know if you are the podcast type, but I just want to say thanks again for interacting with me. You have uh, over 10,000 followers now, and it's well-deserved. You are doing beautiful things all the time and are constantly encouraging me to get better. So great work. That's Brad Flaherty. He's at Graphic Design 79 so go check him out on Instagram and to give him some support. You will not be disappointed. All right, now on to the note for the clients. I'm going to keep it short and sweet this week because we're already getting a little bit long in the audio. So this week I want to say consolidate decision-making power as a client. I can't tell you how difficult it is to design by committee. Almost every single time that I work with a group of people who have decision-making power in the design process, it really muddies up the communication. It makes things difficult for me as a designer because I feel the burden of distilling messaging into a cohesive and uniformed uh, approach to a branding solution or what have you with a design project. It's when you have a bunch of people who have the authority to make decisions with the 
design iterations and what changes need to be made in the hierarchy, that is when it starts to get really confusing and muddied and your communication really suffers. So if you're a client and you know that your project is going to be subjected to this poisonous committee mindset, try and keep your designer insulated from that. Keep them out of the conversation with the committee members and present to them one united voice after the decisions have been made with one point of contact. That will really, really help to make sure that all of your design is uh, in one direction and cohesive and aligned and that will keep the uh, issues that arise from this multiple different iterations and trying to make everyone happy. All of those issues will go away if you just have one person who is primarily responsible for calling the shots on your project. So if you're a client out there, remember, kill the committee and consolidate that decision-making power. It will make all the difference for your graphic project. Now on to the what am I listening to section. I have to give a big shout out to Mitchell Murray. He is constantly giving me these really great suggestions for music to listen to. So the thing that he suggested I listen to is an album called Octave Minds, O-C-T-A-V-E Minds. And these guys, it's both the album title and the band name, and these guys are great. They've got a lot of cool instrumental music, but also some electronic uh, twists and I love it and it's the thing that I'm listening to so go check out on Spotify and on SoundCloud Octave Minds it's, uh, it's got 11 songs on their first album and it's been on repeat and actually could uh, be the soundtrack to this particular episode because I've been listening to them non-stop this week so check them out big thanks to Mitchell Murray for the suggestion and uh, I will continue to offer suggestions I'll include the link to their um, to their album in the description of the podcast. So thanks again. That's what I'm listening to. Last but not least, the Q&A section. I'm going to answer one question that came in from Twitter from Jackson Lindsay. He's a graphic design student, and we had a really cool back and forth exchange on the uh, private messages of Twitter. He asked me the question as, you know, for a young designer just about to graduate school, what piece of advice could I give him that would help him really nail it as a professional in the graphic design space? Now, that was a weird question for me to get, because, and I've received it in a couple of different forms from different people, but uh, I don't really feel qualified yet to uh, claim to have nailed it in the graphic design space. I'm still exploring, even though I have had some, some good times working on some big projects and had some success, it, it, it still seems weird to consider myself uh, as having nailed it, but I will definitely share the advice that was shared with me that I would have considered the most valuable. It's two parts. The first part is read. Read everything you can get your hands on, and that will make a huge difference. If you are graduating, um, the, the temptation is to think that at the end of your graduate, you, you've walked, you've got your diploma, now your education is finished, and you're ready to start practicing. But I can't tell you how much in that scene, in that season of life, it is really, really important that you continue in your autodidactic discipline, just always learning, getting your hands on as many different resources as possible. Uh, that will, you know, and even outside of the graphic design space, check out some other disciplines. I will put together a reading list for this show, either things that I personally have read or listeners have suggested to me. 
to name a few, uh, Start With Why is an amazing book. Also, um, the book Mastery, uh, that book was re- recommended to me by Tobias, the creative director over at um, Spotify. Uh, then The War of Art, if you're an artist and you need to understand how to go pro, that's by Stephen Pressfield. I will include those three books in the link description for this show. Uh, and, and then I will submit a, a, a more lengthy list. But think about the times where you could maybe even listen to audiobooks um, or, uh, you know, when you're doing the kind of like your brain can check out tasks, photo editing is that way for me. Uh, get something on in the background just to continue learning. That will make all the difference in your pursuits. And then the second piece of advice that I was given is to find a mentor. A lot of times there's this, uh, I guess, stigma about asking for help. And I just want to burst your bubble. I have asked for help for so many different projects in different areas. I've got five or six different mentors, each, you know, a, a graphics mentor, you know, how to be a good employee mentor, you know, just a good dude, you know, how to be a upstanding man mentor. I've got all these different mentors who uh, are constantly giving me feedback on how I'm doing in life or professionally or as an employee. And I have saved myself so many different, uh, embarrassing scenarios. So, you know, some advice that I got kept me from getting fired when I should have, like there's all different w- kinds of ways that having a mentor has really, really helped me. So if you don't have a mentor, find someone, either a professor or a coworker, someone who has gray hair, preferably because that, what that'll mean is that they have been around the block before and they can give you insight, uh, and, and sneak peeks into their shortcuts, all of the different ways that they succeeded and where they think that you could improve. Don't be afraid to ask for help because, you know, honestly, I haven't met many people unwilling to give me advice or unwilling to give me feedback. And it's been a huge piece. Jackson, thank you so much for that question. I'm glad that you reached out. I'm glad that you're listening. Hopefully you find that helpful. Um, And everyone out there, go and plug in to your own communities. I have gotten this community rock and rolling for me, and people are giving me feedback in form of a podcast, but don't let this be enough for you. You've got to either participate here or get plugged in, get get attached to a meetup group or um, uh, your local WordPress chapter, whatever it is, if you're creative, get some other people to iterate with, and it will make all the difference in your in your passions and in your expertise and how you grow in your skills. Lastly, I want to say thank you so much to everyone who is listening. I cannot tell you how much it means to me that there are people willing to listen to me ramble and rant and to get passionate uh, on these topics that we all love. So thank you for tuning in. This has been episode three, Finding Your Voice. If there was some piece in here that you think might help someone else that you know, please don't hesitate to share with them. Also, leave me some feedback on the iTunes store. I would love to hear it. It helps me to make the show better and more relevant for you. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Design Soapbox. I'm Daniel Heron, and you've been listening to episode three, Finding Your Voice. See you next week. Hey, I think you're pretty neat.